welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast, the bucket emptying episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Han, psychologist and parenting expert. And today's question is probably one that you're all struggling with some in some shape or form. The question is, help, my three-year-old won't listen to what I, what I want them to do. I've tried the naughty step. I've tried reward charts. Nothing works. Now, you can substitute the age of your child here. It could be any age that we're struggling with this notion of our children just simply not doing what we're asking. Let me just give you a bit of a broad overview in terms of, of, ter- in terms of what I feel. There may be some factors that may be contributing to why your child is not listening to you. So we're going to look at some of the common reasons why our children might not listen to us and might not do what we ask them to do in the first place. And then the best the best kind of approach for it in terms of going about. Let's just think basically about what are the common reasons why our children might not do what we ask. One of the reasons may simply be that when we ask our child to do something, they are already actively engaged in a task and we've not ensured that we have had their undivided attention. Now, some of you might be shouting at the screen and saying, Mary Han, I have 100% got their attention and they still don't listen. I want you just to think for a moment whether this happens in your home, because I know that this happens in my home a lot. It's we're getting ready for something, we're going somewhere, we're trying to get multiple things together and often the instructions that we give are either over our shoulders, we're saying, oh, and don't forget to get this, or it's like the third or the fourth request. If you can categorically say that that is not the case, great. That's not one of the reasons why your children are not doing what they're being asked to first time. But it is really making sure that we have got their attention. And if they're in the middle of playing with something that we have managed to draw their attention and then they're looking at us and listening to us and then we're giving the instruction. So we'll go back in terms of what best to do. But one of the common reasons why it happens is we haven't actually had their undivided attention in terms of when we've given them the instruction. The second reason why we've done it is that maybe our children have become habituated. It's a technical psychological posh word, but basically they have got so used to being asked once, twice, three times our voice starts to get raised by the fourth time maybe we're shouting. And so what happens is our children kind of almost they ignore the first time they ignore the second time third time our voice is beginning to get raised and they're going ah I act on the fourth one when my parents shout again this isn't something we necessarily want but it may well be that typically we have got into that kind of rut where we don't tend to act on the first time they don't do what we ask them to or the second time but all we simply do is we escalate in terms of the volume and the severity of our agitation that they've not done what we've asked them to do and so they typically don't respond they've almost become desensitized to the initial request and they only kick into gear they only start they only crack on once they've heard us shout that can be another particular reason and the third reason is that our children don't kind of see they don't understand why we're asking them to do what we're asking them because potentially that's why they are why we're asking them and it could be that we're just giving them too many instructions and they do not know what they need to do first so that's a bit of background as to why because I think it's I think it's helpful and then now let's look at what are the best ways what are the best ways to optimize helping our children so that they're more likely to do what we want them to do and with that I want to touch on this particular the listener question in terms of the naughty step and also reward charts I'm going to be brutally honest I don't think the naughty step is helpful at all. Whether you call it the naughty step, whether you call it time out, it is not a it's not a psychologically inclusive way of trying to correct 
behavior, if that's what we kind of think about it. I'm going to slightly exaggerate to make a point. Our child has made a poor choice. And instead of bringing them in to have that conversation about what they could do, we then send them to a naughty step to to consider what they've done wrong. To me, that seems completely counterintuitive in terms of if we're looking to correct, it's about bringing in to inform, not pushing away. The naughty step is not going to fundamentally traumatise your child, but I don't think it is a healthy way of helping children become the resilient adults. Remember, we're working with the end in mind. If I want to raise an adult who can fully function, who can make good choices, if they make an error at work, if they make a poor choice in a a work setting, they're not going to be pushed away unless obviously they've done something criminal. What's going to happen is they're going to be brought closer. Things are going to be explained to them. So that's the reason why I do not think naughty steps, timeouts are helpful. There's been some sort of discussion and some evidence around actually we should be having time in. I'm not into cliched words. For me, it's simply about us being able to accept that if my child has made a poor choice, my role as their parent is to help them understand why they've made a poor choice and to help them make better choices next time. Now, it may be that I don't pull them in straight away because in that moment, the choice that they've made has has kind of created a really big emotion and maybe there's been rage and anger and frustration and they've thrown things, they've said unkind things and they're in the middle of a like a really big emotion and that probably isn't the best time for me to be having a conversation with them because they're an emotional brain and I'm trying to, you know, capitalise and kind of tap into the sort of problem solving rational part of their brain but I'm and again I'm not going to do that by sending them to their room or sending them away I'm just going to help them know that they're safe and that I'm there with them and then we'll talk about it so that's the reason why I would not do time out I would not do the naughty step reward charts I think I have no problem with some children thrive on that the children who like to be sort of what I call stroked who like to be praised often who like to see that what they're doing is getting some form of recognition but you have to recognize that not all children are going to do that are going to respond to that And in some ways, I think it's probably good to use reward charts sparingly because reward charts are an extrinsic. They are something which is outside of the child. Making good choices is intrinsic. It comes from me knowing what the right thing is to do. And we probably want a bit of a combination. Some children are just not going to be reward chart type of children. I don't think I ever, I had something called cheerful treats and grumble chores, which I shall do in a whole different episode that I use with my children in the school holidays. But other than that, my children didn't respond to that. So it wasn't something that I did. So I think if your child isn't responding to reward charts, then don't worry. It's just not how they respond. But fundamentally, whether they do or whether they don't, we want them to understand why they're doing what they're doing. So we've talked about one of the some of the reasons why not. We've talked about how I feel about timeouts and naughty steps. So what do we do? How do we best optimise? How do we give ourselves the best chance that our children will do what we ask them to do in the first place? Before you can't sort of try and change lots of things is just be a bit reflective on what how you ask your child to do stuff, how many things you ask them to do. And just your general tone in terms of doing it. As parents, we can feel frustrated. We're we're juggling multiple things. So when we're making a request to our child, there shouldn't be loads of emotion in it. It should be matter of fact. It should just be a straightforward. Clothes shouldn't be on the floor. They live in, you know, they live in the wardrobe or they live in drawers. 
that it's like very clear, it's very succinct, we don't need to go into a long lecture. So one of the things we've got to look at is how are we making those instructions? What's our tone? What's our language? Are we using a lot of excess language? Are we really clear what we expect? Are we stating it matter of fact rather than with, it, with any sort of, of of our own attitude behind it? So that's one thing that we can look at. The second thing which ref, you know reflects back on what one of the reasons why children don't necessarily do what we do is have we got our child's undivided attention? Have they shifted from what they were doing or where their brain was thinking? Don't forget we can still be sat on a sofa with nothing on but just colouring and drawing or just thinking as adults and our brain isn't tuned in to something that someone said to us and we've had to go, sorry, what did you say again? So it's really being clear, have I got my child's attention? And if I want to ensure I've got it, the one technique that I find really helpful is just a gentle hand on a shoulder because what that does, it's a very gentle, that then, oh, right, okay. And then they look to us and then we can make the instruction. So have we got their attention? Are we using the right tone and language? Are we really clear what's expected of them? Those are the most likely things. And where we're having issues around the same thing. So we're having the same conversation all of the time, whether it's with our teenager, whether it's with our three-year-old, whether it's with our seven-year-old, then we tackle that as a routine thing. So that's hence why I love my family meetings. I've noticed that. We've noticed that. The mornings are frazzled, too busy. We've noticed that we've had to ask multiple times to get our shoes and things together. We've noticed that we don't put our toys away. We've noticed that when we've said it's time for dinner, we don't come to the table. Whatever that is, you open the conversation about what the issue is and then you collectively have a conversation around what is expected and what are the consequences should they not do that first time. So we don't find ourselves going into the asking once, asking twice, by the third time we've raised our voice, by the fourth time they act because we've shouted. So we really talk that through. Our children understand why they're being asked to do something and then they're much more likely to do it. And then the last thing that I would say around this is it's so easy to get caught in that my children don't listen to anything. Really focus on the one thing that if they did that when you asked them first time, would have the most impact on your family right now. And it could be something like as trivial as putting their shoes on. It could just be as trivial as actually looking at you when you've asked them to. Whatever it might be, find what that one thing is and focus only on that and make every attempt to praise any effort towards that and anything else that they do that suggests that they're looking and that they're listening otherwise what tends to happen is we get caught in this whole catastrophizing the whole thing and then that puts us in the wrong, wrong frame and then we just miss out on all those little moments where our children do exactly what we ask them to do but we're so caught up in something else that has become a bigger issue so it's really taking it step by step so I hope that that answers the question for the three-year-old, but also for all of you, because this is a common question for so many of us. It's like a common parenting challenge. If you have enjoyed this episode and other episodes that I have shared, then I would be eternally, eternally grateful if you could follow, rate and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. Music.